I'm Zach Weiss, and you're listening to Across the Cavs on the Basketball Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on July 27th, 2022. Excited to introduce today's guest, except he doesn't need an introduction. You know his voice. You know what he does. He is the play-by-play announcer for your Cleveland Cavaliers. Excited to bring him back on today. John Michael, how is the summer treating you without Cavs basketball going on? The summer is terrific, Zach. Got to tell you, I have a eight-year-old and a six-year-old running around here, so I've been to more uh, hockey and soccer and softball practices than you can imagine, so it's been a uh, Fantastic. Baseball practices, too. So we've been running all over the place and loving every minute of it. Uh, being a dad here for a couple of months before we get going again. And it's good to see that sports ball is still, in fact, the highlight of your days right now, John. And we'll start off with a topic that a lot of Cavs fans are looking at right now. It's really the only thing that's really making the headlines, and that is Colin Sexton, who, as of today, it does remain unsigned. So we know, John. He brings a lot to the table. He's a great scorer. He can set his teammates up well. But in your eyes, what does he bring to the table that makes him so invaluable that we saw these last couple of years? Well, I think, Zach, you know, when you look back to last March, you know, when Jared Allen got injured, the Cavs were looking for sources of scoring. You know, and at times it appeared that Darius Garland was out there, you know, doing most of it on his own, distributing, but also scoring. Boy, the Cavs could have used a, a scorer, a player who can create his own buckets down the stretch. I think that's where the value of Colin Sexton comes in. You remember Karis LeVert was in and out of the lineup, still acclimating himself uh, to the Cavs system. So, I mean, the Cavs really could have used Colin in that spot. It, it's interesting. I mean, and it, I don't think there's any question that there's mutual interest. I mean, it, you know, the Cavs front office wants him back. They love him. They love his work ethic. And just seeing Colin throughout the year last year, it it was killing him that he wasn't part of what the Cavs were doing. He wasn't part of this renaissance and the Cavs, you know, outperforming expectations all season long. So I think, I I think they want to get back together. The thing is right now, there's really no rush. I mean, for either side, you know, I mean, this is people are saying, well, you know, what's going to happen here it's only the end of July. I mean, this thing can go to September and both sides can still be perfectly fine. And if you're calling, you know, you test the water to see what's out there. When you look at the landscape hard, you know, you look at teams, you try to figure how much Colin's looking for, right? You project that you see what teams have cap space wise. There's not a ton left right now. So, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how this all plays out, but hopefully Two sides can find an agreement that's mutually beneficial to both, and and Colin can remain a Cavalier for the foreseeable future. And as we do remember, within the past decade, we did see J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson both sign relatively late. Tristan, more specifically, I think it was five days before the season. So that absolutely no rush in that department. Should expect something to get done. And then, John, coming off the injury he is, do you expect that Colin can return to full form at some point next season? No question. No question. I mean, Colin was itching to play at the end of last season. You know, it's one of those uh, – we've heard this time and time again from Colin from the beginning of his career. I mean, there were times that the coaches had to say, you got to get out of the gym, man. You know, it's, it's 
for you to play and practice this much over and over and over again. And he was dying to get back. So all reports are that he's 100%. He's been 100% for weeks now. And he's still, like I said, he still has months to go uh, before camp even begins. So I, I don't think that's a concern on anybody's mind as Colin Sexton heads into this next season. And speaking about going into next season, uh, Summer League took place earlier this month as teams looked for guys to help them out at the end of the bench next season. So which player for you, John, that maybe who came in as kind of an unknown was the biggest positive surprise for you watching those Summer League games? Well, I mean, to me, the main focus, he didn't come in as an unknown and he wasn't a surprise, but Ochea Abaji was the guy that I think a lot of eyes were on to see how he'd perform, you know, in his first structured NBA type setting. And I thought he was great. You know, I thought he handled it well. I don't think we should be surprised at that, Zach. I mean, we're talking about a player who spent four years at a terrific program in Kansas under Bill Self. I mean, he's been through the battles. You know, we know what he did last March just how good he was, uh, you know, as they headed to the, the Jayhawks, the NCAA championship. So I thought he was composed. I thought he did what the Cavs want him to do. I mean, he understands his role, right? I mean, he shot over 40% from three uh, as a senior, 37% from distance for his career. Cavs are bringing him in because they want a guy who can hit outside shots consistently, right? And if he's able to do that, this is a player who can, can crack the rotation. So I think, I mean, that's where most of the eyes were, you know, as this team went to summer league and I think Ochai passed with flying colors. I like Isaiah Mobley. You know, I think Isaiah comes in, obviously older brother uh, of Evan. And we know the family. We know what good basketball people they are. We know what good humans they are. And I think Isaiah's a nice pickup. I mean, he's a, he's a young man who has a chance to, to make one of these two way spots. I think he'd hard, be hard pressed to get a full standard contract coming into the season. But I don't think a, a two-way is out of the realm of possibility. He's a smart player. He has a real high level uh, in terms of the I basketball IQ. And it's a big reason why they like him. And, hey, oh, by the way, to bring him in when you have little brother Evan come the season that he had just last year, uh, I, I think it means good things. So I like what Isaiah did, showed to be a heady player. And overall, I think the Cavs got out of summer league what they wanted, right? A chance to look at Ochai, chance to look at Isaiah. Luke Travers uh, was out there as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, mission accomplished. They come back home, they get ready for camp. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy I thought was very impressive, John, was R.J. Nemhard Jr., who has already played more games than his father in the NBA. Fun fact of the day. What did you think of his plagues? It looked like the Cavs do have a pretty deep point guard room once everyone gets to full strength, but he looks like a guy that definitely will contend for the spot. And I think he's currently under two way. They could drop him, but I think he may have secured his status with that performance this summer. Yeah. And you know, he's a, he's a known commodity now, you know, when you look back at last season, the Cavs dealt with just so many injuries, particularly in the backcourt, they needed players like RJ, they needed players like Brandon Goodwin, be able to step up and that's what they did the Cavs also got a season-long look at RJ in the G League with the Cleveland Charge so they know what RJ brings that wasn't surprising I didn't think either I mean that RJ would go out there and try to dominate the game and he, you know he had success doing so so I like uh, RJ's firmly in the mix I would say you know the Cavs are comfortable with what he brings they you know like I said he's a known commodity uh, and they're going with Nemhart coming into next season. I, I thought he showed well out in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And now 
looking at the free agent signings, John, we go from those younger point guards to the slightly older ones. So one of the Cavs' three signings was Howell Neto. We've seen him around the league in the last several seasons. He's made the playoffs on numerous occasions, showed his value with the Wizards during that last tenure. So how important, John, is the experience that Howell is going to bring to the locker room, kind of understanding that this is a primarily young team? I think it's huge. I mean, I think Howell, I don't think there's any secret. He knows what his role is. It's, you know, keep that backup point guard spot warm until Ricky Rubio is able to return. And I'm, you know, assuming we're going to talk about Ricky in a moment. Yes. I think Howell knows his job. I think he's done this before. He's been a second and a third point guard on teams. He began his career in Utah, played out there, as you mentioned, made his way to Washington. I think it's a great pickup. You can never have too many point guards, right? I mean, we learned that lesson last year, uh, you know, as if they didn't know that lesson already. But, boy, you can never have too many. And to bring in more veteran leadership in Neto, we saw how the Cavs responded to Rubio's veteran leadership coming off that bench. You know, in quarterbacking that second unit, it was phenomenal. You know, at the beginning of the season, Neto has a lot of the same, you know, he has a lot of the same skills, somewhat of the same player, of the same milk. And I think that's what the Cavs had in mind here. It's your job until Ricky comes back. And then, hey, you know, we saw what happened last season. Guards get hurt all the time. I'm guessing Neto plays a pretty prominent role this upcoming season. Yeah, no, no question about it. He's a guy that has proven and he got a big opportunity in Philly during the bubble when Ben Simmons was unable to play in that first round series that they had. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him add another good outside shooter who can also handle the ball. And the guy he will be the stopgap for, John, you mentioned, is Ricky Rubio. It was kind of expected that he would resign three year, 18 million. But once the pen was put to paper, I was personally excited. I'm sure you felt exactly the same way. Yeah, I thought it was a huge resigning. I, I, I don't, I didn't know if it was as much of a done deal as you might have thought it was, but I, I, because I think Ricky last season proved that well, he could still play in this league, and I thought you know the price that the Cavs were able to sign him for was a good one, was a favorable one, and and yeah, I know he injured the same knee that he injured his rookie season, but it to me it is well worth the risk when you look at what. Ricky Rubio brought last season. Think back, Zach, when the Cavs traded for him, they traded Torian Prince, second-round pick to Minnesota, right? The Cavs were coming into that summer. They're, one of their big spots that they were looking for was back up point guard. And you said, okay, that's a nice pick. Ricky Rubio coming off a great Olympic tournament. He was named to the outstanding five in the Olympics. Terrific for Spain. A huge game uh, in a loss to the Cavs in the quarterfinals. But I don't think anybody could have anticipated just how big and important Ricky Rubio was for this team. I mean, we, he got Kevin Love going. He got uh, Jetty Osmond going. And he was huge in terms of the development of Darius Garland. And we know the, the leaps and bounds by which Darius has progressed. I would argue that it's not unreasonable. The time of his injury, which was late in December, he was the player the Cavs could least afford to lose. And that's considering that the Cavs have Darius Garland, Evan Bowley, and Jared Allen in that lineup. He was that integral to what the Cavs were doing in terms of moving the basketball, playing just a different way, a different feel, sharing the ball in a way that, you know, just felt different. You know, a lot of things felt different. One of was starting three seven footers across the front line but having Ricky Rubio come off that bench and do what he did 
was so significant. So to me, to get him back before you even talk about Neto, before you even talk about Robin Lopez, you win your free agency, right? I mean, they didn't have, there aren't a ton of big free agents sitting out there that, you know, when you talk about the cap space and everything else that you could have gotten, you get Ricky Rubio back and you win if you're Kobe Altman. That was how I felt as soon as he was signed. Three-year deal, fantastic. The number was right. And now you're now you put yourself in great shape moving forward. The fact that you could get him for six million annual with the season he was having and the market being what it is, especially with what these super deals have been. So you look that far below, but yeah, I'm very excited to watch him play the that game at the garden is something I'm not going to forget ever just, just watching him light, light up like that eight straight threes. And that brings us to uh, our third guy, a one-time Nick, as you mentioned, Robin Lopez. And so he's a guy that'll probably fill a similar role to Neto. I would assume here, John is a guy. He's not going to be an everyday player, but he brings that veteran experience. He's tough inside and maybe just maybe has the best hook shot in the NBA. <laughs> he's he's a player that every time he seems to be on the floor, especially when he played against the Cavs, played well, right? I mean, he's solid. He knows what he's doing. Orlando didn't use him a ton last season, which is good for a player at his age. He'd rather him, you know, not have heavy minutes for obvious reasons. Orlando's playing the the young guys. That's what yep. they're doing down there. They're at that stage of their development. So I think it's a great pickup. But you know, and again. When you look at areas of need for the Cavs coming into this season, one was backup point guard, one was backup center. There you go. They're taken care of, right? And, and when you let's take it a step further, Zach, when you when you project out where this team is right now and where it's going to be moving forward, the Cavs are set at the point guard spot, Darius Garland, right? They're set at the power forward spot in Evan Mobley. They're set at the center spot in Jared Allen. Now you go out in free agency, you find yourself not one, but two veteran backup point guards. Great. You're good in that department. You find yourself a backup center. Griffey, you got Kevin Love coming off the bench. There's your power forward. So positions one, four, and five are basically in real good shape, right? They've taken care of business moving forward in those areas. And now two and three, those are the big questions. What's going to be, I mean, that's going to be, to me, you know, fun theater, Coming into the coming into camp, and there are a lot of names. There are a lot of players. There are a lot of options. JB Bickerstaff's going to have the lab coat on early, and I think it's going to be fun. I mean, it, it's going to be fun during camp. It's going to be fun during preseason. It's going to be fun during the first who knows 15, 20 games, trying to figure out who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench, who's going to make that rotation. And you know, it might change game by game, but there's a lot to there's a lot to like. There's a lot of different skill sets in that mix for those two starting spots and those two rotation spots at the two and three slots. So I, like I said, I think it's going to be fun. There's going to be some, you know, position challenges, some positions that need to be worked out. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for it to begin. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and predict. I'm not going to ask you to predict. I have absolutely no idea. There will be no disappointment no matter who ends up getting those minutes. But the fact you got young stars in there budding and the likes of possibly a Coro and Ogbach. You got a slightly older late 20s, you know, with Levert. Then you got Jetty, who's been around. You got Wingler, who's been around. You got another guy still budding, Lamar Stevens. Not even talking about Dean Wade, who could also possibly slot in as a three coming off an injury. But we'll, we'll move on. We could talk about this all night into into the work day tomorrow. So we'll move on, Sean, into the uniforms, which were released last Monday. 
So before I even ask about your individual thoughts about each jersey as a collective, did you? And you could be honest here. Did, did you like what you? <laughs> did you like what you saw? I did. I'm. I'm not. I'll be. I'll come clean. I'm not much of a uniform guy. I know buddies of mine and even people in my position across the league that they love that. Right, the different uniforms, the special ones throughout the course of the season. And, and to me, it's funny. Like after. Somebody will be like, hey, do you, what do you think about those new uniforms? And I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to think about a different uniform on, right? I think though, these are these are nice. They're crisp, they're clean. I like simplicity personally. And I also like the use of the new gold. I think the new gold is neat. So I think it's a sleek, sharp design. And I, you know, I'm more of a minimalist. I'd rather have less on the uniform than more. Mm-hmm. I think they did a heck of a job uh, rolling them out here over the last couple of weeks. And then that said, I know you're not a big Jersey guy, but we got to go into the nitty gritty. You have a favorite out of the three. I I think I like the whites. Yeah. I think that might surprise some, but I think I like the whites, which again, I think is a tribute to my, my liking of the minimal, the, the, you know, the less on the uniform, as long as it's crisp and sharp, the better. I think I, I think I'd lean toward the whites. No, I'm with that, and it's also for the reason of, you know, going back to the 80s. I am wearing the, the retro Kevin Love player tee from the era of the Cavs. Two-color jerseys back, I think it was the 18-19 during the earned edition season. I think the city was blue and orange that year. And, it, and the new ones, John, reminds me of, I think they had something over the A on the orange jerseys back in the 80s if I remember correctly, and this is, so I like the whites for the reason that it's also kind of paying homage to the era right before I was born. Cause I feel like that was a great era of Cavs ball with the world be freeze, you know, Mike Sanders among Larry Nance. They had some great players in the eighties. I know they were mixing. I know that's part of the point to mix in and remember the, the heritage and everybody that came before. I personally, I was a big fan of the blue and orange. I like the, I like mm-hmm orange combination i like where it is now like i said i think it's classy but if i had a, if you're telling me if you're asking what are my favorites in terms of throwback those doherty blue and orange yeah price blue and orange that love those those are okay. good looking uniforms and if i had to pick a favorite ever i think i have to go with the earned edition from that year so it's kind of like the uh the i don't even know how it was like blue and white i, I don't i don't maybe it was gray but it's like the it's like there's like ice. It's kind of like got ice on the jerseys. I just think those were so cool. I wish they were still in the stores, but I think they're gone from the calf shop unless I find my connections deep down. We'll see what we can do for you. We'll do rounds. We'll, we'll see what we can find. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and last question on the jersey. So then my guess is you will not be spending any of your paychecks on the jerseys. Then not being a jersey guy. Is that correct? The little ones want one. Okay. Okay. But not for you. Yeah. Dad's a sucker. The little ones. Uh, Oh, of course. (laughs) So what was your least favorite then out of the two remaining? Would it be, and then we're not throwing shade at the Cavs or Daniel Arsham or anybody. This is just from personal preference. So you talk, did you go the red or the darker? I don't, I don't even think I can answer that. I honestly, and this is, I'm not copping out here. I'm just saying, I, I like, I like them all. I like them all. I don't have a preference between the wine or the black one. I, but I, but white, I think white is where I would lean in terms of my number one. All right. You know, well, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. And now we'll move on to our final topic here, John. And we did touch on it. And we're talking about the Mobley. So 
my first thought and thinking about the situation uh, with the Mobleys, I think about the Antetokounmpo. Giannis was already, and this is a little different because he was farther into his career. He was playing some great ball. The Bucks were playing fantastic. They find a way to bring in Thanasis, who not the most talented player in the world. He's not going to come in and get 30 minutes a night like his brother. But I think bringing him in really helps things as far as camaraderie and just hopefulness and attitude. Not that Mobley or Giannis ever had issues with that. But I could maybe see a similar situation where maybe it's going to be a two-way deal. Maybe he'll spend more of the time in the G League. But I think having Isaiah Mobley around is going to keep Evan happy, excited, and it's going to push him to want to be greater even sooner. Yeah, I think it's an interesting comparison. And I'm with you in that I think it can only mean good things. Right. You know, and, and like I said, it's a we're talking about a good family. We're talking about a good player, too. And I say this isn't like a, you know, a courtesy. Hey, we're going to bring in your brother. I forget who it was a couple of seasons ago. Somebody I think it was the the third Adetokounmpo, not Thanasis. Somebody either traded for him or drafted him. And the big joke was <laughs> they're just throwing it out. They're just in, they might be able to bring you over in a trade. I forget. I I knew that's it's in my notes somewhere. I knew that story a couple of years ago, but uh, this this isn't that. No. Is what I'm trying to say, I, Isaiah Mobley can play. Isaiah Mobley can play. He proved it in his three seasons at Southern Cal. The Cavs aren't going to pick a guy just because he's the brother of one of their best players and you know one of their budding superstars. So I think Mobley, Isaiah, that is, can certainly be a benefit to this team on the floor. Yeah, if you get the auxiliary you know, help that he's, that Evan's more comfortable. I don't think Evan needs, Evan's perfectly comfortable, by the way. Let's just get that out there. Evan to me still is the, he was the rookie of the year in my eyes. I don't think, yes, there, sir. I don't think there's any question about it, but you know, besides that, I don't think Evan needs any more help, but bringing in his older brother, I think is a nice move on a lot of different levels. And I do think Isaiah Mobley somewhere along the line this season can potentially help this Cavalier team. Yeah, no question about it. And he's not the only brother that is teaming up. The The holidays are back together in Atlanta. Justin Holiday's second stint. They got younger brother Aaron. So I guess we'll go final question here, John. And of course, as a broadcaster, especially in the summer, you're not going to try and say anything that could be proven or disproven. You could be like at me later. But my thoughts with this year's Cavs is that the projection just from how they played last year should be around 49-50 whereas Vegas had them at 43-5. My only question to you here, if you were making a projection and you were the one in charge of odds, I think you'd have to have it a little higher than 43-5. I think that that's a little disrespectful to what they just did last year and the roster we have right now. Yeah, so from a, from a perspective, we're not really allowed to comment on gambling. So again, this yeah. is just in the last answer, this is not that. I'll say this, though. I mean, Know that the last season the Cavs blew by their Vegas projection in the month of January, right? I mean, they doubled their win total from the previous season. And to, to see the way the Cavaliers started that season, they started on fire. Uh, you know, they caught a lot of people by surprise. I, I thought it was terrific. This year, one thing working against them, Zach, they're not going to catch people by surprise anymore. You know, they're not going to, they jumped all over people early in the season. They came at them with that, you know, three, seven footer look with marketing at the three Mobley at the four Allen at the five. And a lot of teams couldn't handle it. And now, you know, the question is, will they be able to handle it this season? I don't know, but at least some teams have seen it. And at least some teams know that the Cavs now are for real and the Cavs can play. 
So I think they're going to get, you know, they're going to get better shots along the way from their opponents. Uh, so I don't know. I know, you know, we'll see how that works out in terms. I know most people feel the way you do, Zach, that that action once again was too low. Others arguing the other way will say, okay, well, wait a second. Let's take a look at the East. Let's see how much better some of these teams got in the Eastern Conference. I think Boston's gotten even better. You know, we don't know what we're going to get with Brooklyn. Milwaukee's going to be healthy. You can go right down the list. Philadelphia, they should be stronger this season. The sporting cast is better. You go right down that list. Atlanta's got to be better than they were last season. That was a real letdown year for Atlanta. You know, you look at some of these teams. Miami, too. Miami, right. And, and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. We know how basketball is, man. The, the whole everything can shift in a, a one fell swoop if something happens out there in Brooklyn, right? You know, if they start making a move or two out there, it could flip everything upside down. But there are a lot of teams that finished higher than the Cavs that have gotten better. You even look at teams like Detroit. Detroit's got to be better in terms yep. of the personnel that they've picked up. So this is not a weak East. This is not an East from five seasons ago. This is an East that's pretty loaded up. And some might say, finally, is actually better top to bottom than the West. So, you know, I think that all factors into those win totals as well. Like I said, I think you're you're in the majority. Most people seem to think that the Cavs are going to surpass that total. We'll find out. I hope just like last season, they they again surprise people and blow straight past it uh, because, boy, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch last year. It was. And I, my final thing, no disrespect to the amazing new Cavs jerseys, but the Pistons. The horse is back. The horse is back. <laughs> they they win the offseason for that. They that that that's incredible. That I got that, I, that opinion of yours might not be in the majority. Might not. Although <laughs> well, they, they win in the I'm I'm forgetting the uh, the the outfit, the uh the clothing department. They're <laughs> So, again, I'm not saying bring back the orange again because I like what the Cavs did. But if we ever had a turquoise jersey, I would have asked if it had been brought back by now. But we don't. No hard feelings. We'll, 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 we'll take the Pistons down when we play them. That's it's not a guarantee because they have a lot of good young players. But we'll, we're going we're gonna to table it right there. <laughs> John, a pleasure, as always, to speak with you about the Cavs, get your opinions, and get a view, view from inside the voice of the Cavaliers. Zach, always good catching up. Have a great rest of your summer. We'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you when we get closer to the season. Yep. So for John Michael, I'm Zach Weiss. This is Across the Cast. If you like what you heard, head over to Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you may get your podcast. So until next time, adios.